0: Hello, everybody. Great to be with you again. Let's talk Southern Baptist Convention. There's a lot to talk about. I will not be able to get to absolutely everything I think about the Southern Baptist Convention over the course of the last two days, but I did take note of Ruth Graham's lead in the New York Times story. The headline, Southern Baptists narrowly head off, ultra-conservative takeover. Oh, is that what it was? An ultra-conservative takeover. Boy, this is reminding me of the conservative resurgence coverage. It really is. This is her lead in a dramatic showdown on Tuesday. Southern Baptists elected a moderate pastor from Alabama as their next president, narrowly heading off an attempted takeover by the denomination's insurgent right wing. Got that, folks? It's moderate versus right wing. I'm sorry, insurgent right wing. Other media friends of Russell Moore have been calling them the hard right, ultra conservative kept coming up again and again in these liberal media reports on the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'll tell you what I remember back in college, working at the school newspaper at my university, Baylor University, and it was Several years after the conservative resurgence took place. But when I was covering religion, a lot of this was the Southern Baptist Convention because I was at a Southern Baptist school and Baylor had a moderate, well, if you want to call them moderate president and moderate administration, and we like to call them liberals, but It was funny how they would take the wording and they would just twist it. And they would talk about the evil fundamentalists. The evil fundamentalists just want power. That's what happened in the late 70s. They took over the Southern Baptist Convention because they're crazy, rabid, drooling fundamentalists who just want to take over the Southern Baptist Convention because they're drunk with power. Meanwhile, we're moderates. Oh, really? So it's all in how you say it. And on the other side... They said, no, we're conservatives. We just believe the Bible and we believe we ought to do what it says, as opposed to the liberals who call themselves moderates. So you have to remember the wording matters. What they call each other matters. What they call themselves matters. So when I'm seeing all these references to moderate Ed Litton, I'm thinking to myself, man, it's like 1979 all over again. In the 80s and the 90s, because whenever anybody talked about the conservative resurgence, it was always, you know, the crazy, drooling fundamentalists versus the wonderful, so, so nuanced moderates. And they just uh, I'm over it, folks. I've seen this movie before. All right. So let's talk a little bit about. The most important news out of of the Southern Baptist Convention, and that is the election of Ed Litton, the moderate. Now, I'm going to get into what amounts to, I think, a huge story about Ed Litton that unfolded yesterday as to his doctrine of God. I am going to get to that in a second, but I want to unfold it in a particular way. Now, the election was very interesting. As you know, we had interviewed Mike Stone on the program. We interviewed Randy Adams, the two conservative candidates. And I'm saying that on purpose, folks, because I don't put Al Mueller in that camp. And the fact that he came in third, I enjoyed it. I admit it. I I enjoyed it. You know why? Because he's the guy that got us into this mess, folks. He's the guy that got us Russell Moore. He's the guy who never stood up against Russell Moore that I can recall one time during all of the occasions on which Russell Moore was causing trouble, causing upheaval, causing division, insulting conservatives. Where was Al Mohler? Uh, During the Resolution 9 controversy of 2019, when Al Mohler, who claims he doesn't like critical race theory, could have stepped in and been a very big voice against Resolution 9, uh, waited until after it passed to say something. So he's been playing fast and loose with what he really believes for years. I don't know. I mean, when you go back to that PBS documentary that was done on Southern Baptist Seminary back when he took over in the early 90s, his his own friends said he's an opportunist. I mean, the fact that he was liberal and now he's conservative, they said, we don't even believe he's conservative necessarily. So this goes back a long, long way. But anyway, he came in third, Al Moeller, and then on the the bottom end, Randy Adams came in last. Now, these were the vote totals. Mike Stone got 36.48% of the vote. Ed Litton received 32.38% of the vote. Al Moeller received 26.32% of the vote. And Randy Adams received 4.71% of the vote. So it went to a ballot runoff. What's interesting to me is I think it's weird, don't you, that Ed Litton suddenly won by something like 550 votes? Because why in the world, what you basically had was Randy Adams' votes should have all gone to Mike Stone, because those people were also conservatives voting for Randy Adams, theoretically, at least. And Al Mohler's votes, there are still people who are under the impression that Al Mohler is a great conservative who no doubt accounted for the votes that he received. Most of those people should have gone to Mike Stone as well. So how did Ed Litton triumph? It's a head scratcher, isn't it? We don't really know, but that's kind of a weird situation. And I will say a lot of people were making jokes about stopping the votes at 3 (laughs) a.m., Dominion software. The Dominion software jokes were flying, okay, on social media. You might have missed it, but people are not so, you know, not not so innocent anymore. I'm not saying anybody at the SBC messed with the vote. It is what it is. I'm just saying people are a little cynical. They're a little cynical. So, you get Ed Litton. Now, one of the things Ed Litton has been under fire for in recent weeks is the fact that he preached with his wife He is the senior pastor at Redemption Church in Alabama, I believe it is. And this is even from the Religion News Service story. Like other Southern Baptists, Lytton affirms the denomination's statement of faith, which declares the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. In the past, however, Lytton's wife, Kathy, has helped him preach about marriage during church services. He has said, My wife is a great teacher and she helps me communicate to our people. Okay, well, is this not a problem? Is this not a problem? Because another story that came out of the Southern Baptist Convention is the fact that they're going to apparently look into Saddleback Church, which recently ordained three women. And they're playing all kinds of games, not Saddleback, but the people in the SBC who are squishy on the issue of female pastors, they're very squishy about this. Oh, here's the story. Saddleback Church's ordination of women pastors to be considered by SBC committee. I don't think they're going to do anything to Saddleback. Rick Warren apparently is looking to leave anyway. I don't know if they're going to do anything to Saddleback or not. Everything is thrown to committee in the SBC. You know, if you want something to die a slow death, you throw it to committee. But we have the church plants done by Nam that have been, you know, they've had women pastors. There have been some churches that have had women pastors. And I didn't see people in a flurry of biblical conviction going out against the Nam church plants at the the first blush. I, I don't know. Some of those people have been disbanded or let go or what have you from the denominational affiliation, but it's getting squishy over there, isn't it? It's getting really squishy. Female pastors, oh, well, you know. A Southern Baptist convention that doesn't have room for Beth Moore doesn't have room for me, says Russell Moore, before he trots out of the SBC altogether and hitches his wagon to Christianity today. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'll tell you what, the sleazy maneuvers that Russell Moore and his posse performed prior to this convention are among the most dirty political things I've ever seen in my life. If that guy were Mr. Courage from his book Courage to Stand, he would have revealed all of these alleged sexual abuse cover ups done by allegedly done by Mike Stone and members of the executive committee. Why didn't he speak up 16 months ago? You know, uh, you just have to look at the well timed hit job that Russell Moore launched and J.D. Greer launched because J.D. Greer, no doubt, was in on it. That letter that was released was written to him. These people are dirty. Their tactics are dirty. And it's interesting to me, I was thinking about this old line from former Congressman Bob Dornan years ago at a March for Life, super pro-life California congressman. And I've probably shared this before, but it bears repeating. He was making the comment to pro-lifers, you know, the problem with fighting for the end of abortion and getting rid of abortion, legalized abortion in America, is that the other side has been fighting a war while we've been trying to have a debate. And I thought about that because I think there are a lot of parallels to what's gone on in the Southern Baptist Convention in the last several years. There have been a lot of wonderful, godly, biblical men who have given benefit of the doubt after benefit of the doubt after benefit of the doubt, and here we are. Now, when we come back from this break, I'm gonna play you some audio, and it's gonna blow your mind if you weren't able to watch the Southern Baptist Convention yesterday. This is an exchange that's going to go down in the annals of SBC history, no doubt, or at least we'll try to get it there. You're listening to Janet Mafford today. Back in a moment. This is Janet Mefford. On a 100 degree day in Ethiopia, Africa, hundreds gathered for Sunday worship outdoors, and some walked an hour to be there. Afterward, 30 year old Cademan frantically copied scriptures from an old Bible to a piece of paper. Then his face turned sad as he closed the Bible and handed it back to its owner, one of only a few in that church of hundreds to have a Bible. You see, Cademan loves the Lord, leads his family, and is faithful at Sunday worship, but he's never read a single verse in his own Bible because Bibles are very difficult to obtain where he lives. Whoever comes our way and is able to give us a Bible, it will be a great blessing. Through the ministry of Bible League International, you can send God's word to a new believer in Africa. $5 sends one Bible, $50 sends 10. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800 E S W O 800-YES-WORD, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com thank you. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. If you're in need of a new healthcare program but you missed the open enrollment deadline in December, it's not too late. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th. During this time, you can enroll in the healthcare program of your choice without the need for a qualifying event. This means you can now enroll in a healthcare sharing program from Liberty Health Share with memberships for individuals, couples, and families. You can find a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Plus, you really can choose the doctor and hospital of your choice. Best of all, Membership options start for as low as $199 a month. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. What are you waiting for? Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org jmt today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855 585 4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's Janet.
0: All right, we are talking about the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting over the last couple of days. A lot of conservatives are very disheartened. There might have been some things that went on that were okay, and yay, this went okay over here, we like this resolution, or what have you, but the fact that the SBC did not elect a conservative after all of the efforts, valiant efforts, in my opinion, of the conservative Baptist network and other conservatives, just rank and file conservatives, Bible believing Christians across the Southern Baptist Convention who got in their cars and got on airplanes and got to Nashville in order to fight for the truth and fight for their denomination didn't happen. And it was a very close vote, but Ed Litton won. and this this is a guy I mentioned. He preached with his wife. Also, I was recalling that he has once referred to critical race theory as a conspiracy theory. <laughs> This was a claim made at a luncheon in Arkansas. I think this was several months ago at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So yay, you, you've got a president who believes that if you think there's such a thing as critical race theory, apparently you are a conspiracy theorist. Oh, goody. Oh, R- Russell Moore, take two. I can't wait to watch this whole thing unfold, she says sarcastically. Let's get though to some of this audio that I've got for you because you got to hear this for yourself. Al Moeller, who came in third, <laughs> I'm so happy he came in third uh, in his bid for the SBC presidency, was giving his report on his seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, at the convention's meeting, and he pitted himself as basically some kind of hero against critical race theory. Listen to Cut One.
2: But we need to recognize that CRT is a toxic ideology. Racism is a sin that sends souls to hell. Racism is a sin that will destroy any church and will destroy any denomination and will destroy any seminary. And we must be the people who know the difference between a godless ideology and a hideous sin. We have to be the people nonetheless who know that the only path of gospel faithfulness is in avoiding both. These are crucial days. I believe Southern Baptists are up to this. I absolutely do. I've seen Southern Baptists repeatedly get into a room and eventually do the right thing. We've come together in Nashville in record numbers. Let's pray that it is issues that bring us together in order to solidify our preaching of the gospel and the faithfulness of our churches, our commitment to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Let's pray that every time we meet together, there are more of us united in the faith once for all delivered to the saints and absolutely determined to see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ beginning with our churches and beginning with our seminaries and the entire work of the Southern Baptist Convention look more like Jesus's kingdom every single day. Let's be committed to that.
0: Man, he's like an auctioneer. Uh, very interesting the way he phrased the issue of racism, that racism is a sin that will send people to hell. Let's go back in time a little bit and listen to Matt Hall, who is the provost at Al Mohler Seminary. This is cut eight. I am a
2: racist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that freaks you out, if if you think the worst thing somebody can call you is a racist, then you're not thinking biblically. Because mm. guess what? I'm I I, I going to struggle with racism and white supremacy until the day I die and get my glorified body in mm. a, a completely renewed and sanctified mind.
0: Wow.
2: Um, because I'm immersed in a culture where I, I benefit from racism all mm. the time.
0: Wow. That's pretty serious. Because your boss said that racism is a sin that will send you to hell. Apparently not the sin nature that because you were born in sin, you inherited that nature from Adam that you're damned unless you're saved by Jesus Christ through his finished work on the cross. But racism will send you to hell. Al Mohler said so. So what do you do if your provost is an avowed racist? Why does he still have a job? I don't know. Al Mohler going to have to answer that. Now, here's a better question for Al Mohler. This is just incredible. Listen to this particular important question of Al Mohler. This is cut to. Dr. Mohler
2: when you and the men on stage sought it necessary to make a public statement of clarity on these issues, did you do do so because you cared more about CRT than you did about the gospel? Thank you. Wow. Well, that's a good question. And the answer to that is profoundly no. The six of us made that statement together because it is our responsibility on behalf of the stewardship invested in us by the Southern Baptist Convention as confessional seminaries bound to the Baptist faith and message to say what we believe is compatible with and incompatible with the Baptist faith and message because you entrust us to hire only faculty who teach in accordance with the Baptist faith and message and never contrary to it.
0: Well, that's nice, except I just played for you, Matt Hall, and there's some other video uh, clips that I've played in the past of people who actually do work at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary espousing critical race theory, including Matt Hall saying he's a racist and he's going to struggle against his white supremacy for the rest of his life. Uh, you don't put anybody at your seminary who has any sort of critical race theory leanings. Now remember what Al Mohler said back at the Shepherds Conference. In 2019, you remember this famous moment? This was Phil Johnson asking Al Mohler a critical question related to critical race theory. Listen to Cut Six. Just last year at both
2: the Gospel Coalition and Together for the Gospel, I was hearing some rhetoric that actually I first heard from Jim Wallace and Sojourners 20, 30 years ago. And so I think what I'm asking you is, uh, in fact, what I am asking you is, do you not see that, that the evangelical movement, even the even our constituency, the most conservative end of the evangelical movement, is becoming a little more susceptible to that. But, Phil, you've known me for a long time. You know the answer to the question is yes, but I'm not going to be forced into a situation before thousands of people in which I have to say I'm going to do it your way. Sorry. Okay. I'm just not. And if that's a test of fellowship amongst us, yeah. this will be a good
0: time to find out. Wow, a little testy. Not so testy when he's up in front of thousands of Southern Baptists proclaiming in an auctioneer's voice how wonderfully we'll all stand together for the gospel. Together for the gospel, as a matter of fact, is a group that he co-founded with Ligon Duncan and C.J. Mahaney, although that name has kind of been dropped off because of his scandal and sexual abuse within Sovereign Grace Ministries. We've talked about that for the last decade, but he didn't like being confronted in front of, Grace Community Church's audience at Shepcon, and hats off to Phil for asking the question, because that's a question that needed to be asked. Hey, how come it is that I'm hearing out of your co-founded organization and also the Gospel Coalition the same kind of woke rhetoric that sounded like the old Jim Wallace and Sojourners? We know why. Because... The social gospel, social justice is back. And now instead of just confining itself to mainline liberal denominations like the PCUSA and the United Church of Christ and the ELCA, they're nuts over there. Now we've got it in the Southern Baptist Convention. And here we had these faithful men and women of God on the conservative side of the aisle saying, listen, we need to repudiate Resolution 9. We need to put forward this resolution crafted by Mike Stone and signed on to by 1300 other Southern Baptists. And it was, you know. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Resolution two is just fine. We don't have to call it out by name. I guess the 11th commandment, so famous among Southern Baptists, never speak ill of another Southern Baptist is something that we now have to apply to critical race theory and intersectionality. Can't say that out loud. You might hurt somebody's feelings. At some point, the Christian can't worry about hurting somebody's feelings just because they don't want to hear the truth because we know what happens when error is allowed to proliferate and to metastasize in a denomination. It falls. It falls apart. It goes completely limp and then it dies. And we've seen this in these mainline liberal denominations for decades. I've talked about it on this show. My own personal experience in my family with social justice-oriented churches, going back to my grandparents, and the garbage that went on and how it just destroyed people who were there who weren't maybe Christians, but walked into a church thinking, I just want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does anybody have any hope for me? I'm lost. I want to find God, but I don't know where to find him. In the words of my own mom, I went to church for 45 years in these social justice churches, and I never found God. Is that what the Southern Baptist Convention will become next? now listen to this other comment by Al Moler at the time of this Shepherds conference at Grace Community Church. This was what he talked about regarding critical race theory again, this is Al moler cut seven
2: I just I, I am not going to be forced into uh, a Twitter conversation on one hundred and forty characters about these issues. Uh, I have been trying to lay out for 30 plus years, an understanding of how evangelicals should engage the culture. And uh, I mean, I cut my teeth apologetically uh, confronting cultural Marxism and uh, I mean the, the entire network of issues of the left. Uh, you look at who I invite to my campus. You look at who I cite. You look at who I uh, platform. Uh, I feel pretty good about the message uh, that I'm sending there.
0: Can we go back to Matt Hall and I'm a racist and I'm a white supremacist. I'm so steeped in white supremacy. I will be steeped in white supremacy for the rest of my natural life. I will be fighting it. What other sin does anybody have in this woke elite club that they talk so passionately about? It's very interesting to me. You know, a lot of these same people, I'm not saying the exact same people, but for example, I've heard liberals make the argument over the years. Oh, I saw it again on Twitter yesterday. Oh, you guys talk about homosexuality. How come you don't talk about heterosexuals? sin? We did until homosexuality became so prevalent and the left and its progressive activists who are linking arms with the LGBT activists made it a new woke religion for the United States and are trying to evangelize the rainstorms rainbow flag false gospel around the entire globe, we kind of had to respond to that, don't you think? And yes, it is wrong to fornicate. It is wrong to commit adultery. It is wrong to live together when you're not married. All those things remain true, even if we are addressing another sexual sin. But it makes you wonder why these people are so fascinated with telling you which sins not to talk about. Isn't that interesting? And they want to talk about certain sins and they don't want to talk about other sins. And I suppose to some extent that's human nature. But when we come back, I'm going to play the best audio that we have. It's from yesterday and it's going to tell you a lot, I think, about Ed Litton. We'll be back.
1: This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford.
0: All right, I have been telling you that I have some jaw-dropping sort of audio that came out of the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting yesterday. Dr. Al Mohler, who came in third, as the candidate for the SBC presidency on day one, also took the platform on day two. This was very interesting. I think this messenger really hit it out of the park with this awesome question for Al Mohler. Cut three.
2: Dr. Mohler, you have been an incredible influence upon me and you have taught us for so many years that theology matters. I have a question regarding the educational um, content that we are giving to graduates of Southern Seminary. Hmm. My question to you is, does Southern Seminary teach that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are parts of God? The reason why I ask that is because when I went on Ed Litton's website for his church, that is in the first paragraph on the doctrine of God. And he got two degrees from Southern Seminary. So far as I know, and I cannot speak to my brother, the newly elected, soon to be president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but Southern Seminary cannot claim him as an alumnus. I'm absolutely certain that he will want to answer that question. Also absolutely certain he's faithful. Thank you, brother, to me. 3A, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I was thinking of the Master of Divinity. He does have a doctor of ministry degree from Southern Seminary. I just about failed in that massively. He is a doctoral graduate of Southern Seminary. I still stand by my statement. I'm sure he will want to make that very clear. I am not sure what's on his statement. I'm sure he's faithful. I just remind you to make sure we direct our questions to Dr. Moeller about Southern Seminary.
0: Okay, well, that's very interesting, isn't it? Now, let me fill you in on the rest of the story. When I heard that in the live stream, I immediately went to the Redemption Church website to see the what we believe doctrinal statement that was posted there. Here's what it said. Under the doctrine of God, God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are are co-equal parts of one God. Parts? Did we not sing all of our lives, holy, holy, holy God in three persons? Blessed Trinity. It's not hard to get, I mean, it's a very deep concept, but we understand the doctrine of the Trinity is very specific and there are a lot of heresies you can fall into and people have done so throughout the, the course of Christian history. But this is, if you really believe this, the heresy of partialism. And the monergism.com website describes it as teaching that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together are components of the one God. This led them to believe that each of the persons of the Trinity is only part God, only becoming fully God, when they come together, now I don't know whether or not that is known to the church. I don't know who wrote the statement, but Ed Litton's the senior pastor. It's on your website. Probably somebody signed off on this, and that's you know something that somebody with a doctoral ministry degree, deacon, Min, ought to be aware of. I mean, I don't have any advanced theological degrees, and I know enough to know that that's heresy. So I assume Ed Litton would know it's heresy as well. He's a very educated man. He's a pastor. So what happened next? Oh, Ed Lytton took the mic right after the question was posed. And this is what happened. Cut four. My
1: name is my name is Ed Litton. I'm the pastor of Redemption Church. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Muller, I want to affirm your incredible leadership at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You're a statesman and your statesman role in our convention led us to make the revisions of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You are a leading voice in cultural issues. You have a faithful commitment to this SBC family. It is in your veins. And we thank you for your humble service at every opportunity that the Lord God has given you to serve us. You are a gift from God to us, and to the greater world of those disciples who want to grow nearer to the heart of our Savior. Through all of your work and all of your life, you have served us well. And the scripture says, give honor where honor is due. And sir, you are due great honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
2: My dear brother, Ed, that was one of the most gracious statements. And it is good and healthy for the Southern Baptist Convention to hear brothers speak as we will speak of one another. I want to congratulate you publicly upon your election as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You will lead us with honor and we will follow with honor.
0: Uh, Okay, a couple of things I'd like to point out here. First of all, Ed Litton has just been exposed as having a statement That is in line with a heresy about the Trinity on his website. Okay, that happened right before he took the mic. And how coincidental that Ed was right there to take the mic after somebody said that and exposed what was on his website. Did he get up to the mic and say, hey, listen, I'm very concerned about what you just mentioned because I didn't know my website said that the three persons of the Trinity are co-equal parts of one God. That is wrong. And if that's on my website, we will correct that. He didn't say that. He got up and he said, Al, you're the best. You're the best, Dr. Moeller. We're just in awe of you. Oh, well, Ed, we're in awe of you too. Now think of what Al Moeller was doing. Instead of Mr. Theology, he is made such a reputation for himself over the years about being biblical and being theological. If I were in his place and somebody stood up and said, hey, we got a problem here. There's a heresy being touted on the website of the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I would say something along the lines of, well, I haven't seen that, but I'll definitely take a look. I think everybody should take a look and we can look into that and maybe talk to Ed Litt and get him to clarify. And then if Ed, if and when Ed came to the microphone, I would say, Ed, can you clarify what that messenger just asked? Didn't happen. It didn't happen. You know what did happen? Shortly thereafter, they changed the website. (laughs) They got on there. Somebody said it was within 42 seconds. Now, I was glad I got a, a screenshot of it, but I also was able to get a screenshot on the Wayback Machine, and that's a magical part of the, not really magic, but a magical part of the internet where you can go back, and if somebody has deleted something off the website, you can find previous screenshots and find it. Well, guess what? Wayback Machine caught the original Earlier today. So you have a June 16th, I should say yesterday, June 16th, 2021 screenshot of this line. These three are co-equal parts of one God. Then they updated it and they dropped that last sentence. Now, what does that tell you? There were people online making the comment that, well, you know, maybe he was just being imprecise or, you know, it's not necessarily a heresy. It's just maybe uh, an inarticulate way of talking about the Trinity baloney. I call baloney on the whole thing. This guy has advanced theological degrees, at least one that I know of. He may have more than that. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Folks, you think he doesn't know what's on his website. You think that he didn't go through the doctrinal statement that's on his website. And and by the way, if he really didn't mean that, why didn't he stand up and cop to it when he was the next guy in line after that messenger? And why in the world didn't J.D. Greer chastise Ed Litton for going on about, you know, Al is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Why didn't he tell him, hey, we're sticking to comments and questions about the seminary, please? He didn't give that to Ed Lytton. He just let him go on. Oh, Dr. Mohler, we're just in awe of you. Me too, Ed, I'm in awe of you. After he's just been told that there's a heresy in the doctrinal statement of the guy who's just been elected the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And what is Al Mohler's response? Oh, Ed, you're the greatest. You tell me we don't have a problem With the SBC. There are so many problems with the SBC. And to me, those two cuts that I just played for you are all you need to know about the Southern Baptist Convention. I could go into exhaustive details about all the fights and this and that and this side thing and this side that. Forget it. That's what you need to know. That's what you need to know. Russell Moore's dirty tricks going into the convention and Al Muller loving on Ed Litton right after being told that he has heresy on his website. Just keep that in mind. Al Moeller, who basically gave you Russell Moore. It all ties together. What should we think about it? When we come back, I'll tell you what I think. Stay with us. Janet Meffer today is proud to partner with Preborn to help save babies' lives. Hi, this is Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, and I want to send a big thank you for standing for life to you. Because of listeners like you in 2020, Preborn
2: sponsored over 45,000 free ultrasound sessions to women in need, saved over
0: 31,000 babies, and prayed with over 6,500 women to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. The battle rages on in 2021 at an even greater level
2: and our goal is to give Planned Parenthood the biggest competition ever.
0: Will you join us in saving babies' lives? Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Meffer today to support the ministry of preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. One ultrasound is just $28, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMafford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of one hundred forty dollars. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Let's do more than talk about abortion. Let's save some lives. Please call now with your gift. Eight five five four oh two baby. That's eight five five four oh two baby. Eight five five four oh two 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 nine. Or there's a banner to click at Janet dot com.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet.
0: Welcome back. We're talking about the Southern Baptist Convention and all the things that went on. Not all the things, but the main things that went on. And I have to say that I think it's a very dark day for the Southern Baptist Convention. And not because one man lost the presidency or this guy didn't get his resolution through or whatnot, but because you can see what's going on. When you have to pull these dirty political tricks like Russell Moore and his buddies did before the convention in order to basically kill any chance Mike Stone had of winning the presidency. What do you call that? Do you think that's Christian? And then they stand up and talk about, we must unite behind the gospel. We must be involved in great commission work. You know what? How about you repent first? Because what you did going into that convention was disgusting. It was disgusting. It was totally planned. You got together with your buddies in the liberal media, just like Russell Moore has been doing since he entered the position at the head of the ERLC. The whole thing was coordinated. It makes me sick is what it makes me. It just makes me sick. So the question for a lot of Southern Baptists is now what? Now what? What? Can you really save the Southern Baptist Convention? And, and this comes on the heels of all the dirty stuff that's gone on. You know, interfaith, J, J.D. Greer praising an Islamist and doing interfaith dialogue, all the garbage that they pulled with First Baptist Church of Naples, Florida, and, and the denomination insinuating itself into the hiring of the pastor. And that, that's a disgusting story, how that played out. So many others have taken place over the last several years. And a lot of Christians are saying, do I stay or do I go? I can say I'm not a Southern Baptist, but I can say if I were a Southern Baptist, I'd be out of there. Because I know the history of American denominations that have gotten to this point. and turning them around, this probably was the last chance he had to turn it around. I'm not saying the Lord couldn't pull a miracle and and, you know, raise it from the dead. But as of now, it's gone. I think it's gone. And there are many, many conservatives who are saying the same thing. Now, there will be people who are going to hang in there for as long as they can. It's kind of the difference between Puritans and separatists. Puritans were the ones who wanted to stay in the Church of England and reform it from within. There will always be Christians who try to do that in churches because they recognize that no church is perfect. And there are occasions when a church can turn around, so they hang in there. And God bless them for doing it. Some of them have been successful at helping churches to turn back around toward orthodoxy and orthopraxy. But on other occasions, it has failed miserably. And they end up hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. I mean, this is what happened in Presbyterianism. You had the PCUSA and went by different names before, but you had in the 20s, Jake Gresham Machen leaving Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia because they were rejecting the authority of scripture. And he founded the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and he founded uh, his own seminary. He left Princeton, I'm sorry, and founded Westminster Seminary. And he was out of there, but it took a lot of Presbyterians decades to finally form the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America. And now the Presbyterian Church in America is woke and loves Revoice. So there you have it. It it, it really is a matter of individual conscience. But I came across this document. This was very interesting. I don't know what year this was put together, but it was put together by someone within the Los Ranchos Presbytery seeking dismissal from the Presbyterian Church USA and it's entitled Thoughts on Leaving the Denomination. And I thought some of this was very interesting and might even pertain to the Southern Baptist Convention. This man is discussing some of the issues. He says, for example, the denomination, national church, national leadership has moved, drifted, shifted so far leftward, radical liberal humanism and theology and social issues, we can no longer remain in communion with it. The denomination reflects social and moral shifts rather than addressing them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, I, I'd say that applies to a certain extent. He says it has become a denomination that promotes pluralism and theological diversity, e.g. believing there are many equally valid paths to God and is but one among many. Okay, the SBC is not at that point. Third, the denomination will not state the essential tenets. The consequence is a wide variety of theological positions, some bordering on heresy. Hmm emphasis on theological pluralism breaks down a clear sense of identity and creates cognitive dissonance that many members and churches cannot live with. The lack of consistency of beliefs hinders presentation of a clear and unified message. Fourth, the national denomination encourages sexual license and perversion. Unrepentant practicing homosexuals can now be ordained. Homosexual behavior is no longer clearly identified as a biblical sin. This moral collapse combined with support for taking of innocent human life by means of abortion is abhorrent to us. The consequence, is a breakdown in behavioral standards, especially for leaders. The SBC full of pro-lifers. That's not as big a deal in the SBC as it is in the PCUSA. But I'm telling you what, the LGBT issue is going to come roaring in right after they get women into leadership because that always happens. You get the women first. And then when you get the women pastors, you always get pro-homosexuality. You do. Check it out. I do not lie about this. It's exactly what's going to happen. First, you're going to have it. It's coming. It's probably coming next year. It's probably coming within a couple of years, maybe even next year. We'll see. Then you have number five, the role of biblical authority and biblical interpretation. The PCUSA has adopted such a broad degree of acceptable interpretations that there are no longer any sure and certain affirmations, and thus the authority of Scripture is undermined. That's the SBC. That's the SBC. Oh yes, we don't believe in women pastors. That's not biblical. Okay, well, uh yeah, uh, Saddleback just ordained three women and you have these church plants from NAM that have women pastors dob uh, dob blah, da. Oh, well, I don't know if they're really pastors. See how that works? So the Bible has authority kind of it's kind of authoritative. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. Of course, then we have to change our websites when we start espousing partialism, the heresy that God is three parts. We're just going to erase that. We'll pretend that never happened. I'm only the president of the SBC. Okay, soon to be president of the SBC. All right. Whatever. Number six, politics. The entire denomination is consumed at every level by attempts to persuade and convince people to vote in a particular way on particular issues of concern to specific interest groups. There it is, folks, CRT. That's the SBC in a nutshell. Substantive internal divisions. These have consumed time, energy and finances better spent on advancing God's kingdom irreconcilable divergences. The trust clause is an attempt at despotic and tyrannical control over faithful evangelical congregations. First Baptist Naples, anyone? Denominational bad press is not good for local church life or outreach. Loss of members. Lack of trust in the denomination. Failure to use resources wisely. Statements by staff with which we disagree. Actions with which we strongly disagree. And finally, a lack of pro-life position on abortion. Again, not applicable to the SBC. But the bottom line is... When you have this big of a divide, how do you ever breach it? How do you ever bring it back from the dead? And I think we're heading toward the dead. That's just my opinion. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you think the SBC has never been healthier. But I think it's on a lifeboat. I do. I think it's on a lifeboat. And I think we we can't take that lightly. I think of Proverbs 2, verses 7 and 8. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Let me tell you, if you're a Southern Baptist or any other kind of Christian, The most important thing that you can do at any point in your Christian life is to be faithful to Jesus Christ, regardless of what's going on around you. And sometimes that means being in disagreement with your pastor, in disagreement with your church leadership, in disagreement with fellow members of your congregation, or some other combination of the three. You have to make a decision on whether or not you are jeopardizing your faith and your faithfulness to Jesus Christ by staying within a particular church or denomination, or if the faithful thing to do is to remain there and fight for the truth and try to persuade people who maybe have been out of the loop and don't understand the seriousness of the issues at hand and try to work on them. And by the grace of God, perhaps he'll bring them around. I don't know which way to go. I can't advise anybody. I could only speak for myself, but I think this is a watershed moment for conservative Christians. For one thing, the question becomes, do you want to continue to give your money to the denomination Of after all of the things that have gone on at the hands of the woke elite? You want to keep throwing money at these people? Why? I don't know. I wouldn't want to throw money at these people, but everybody is different. The one thing I do know is that when I see Ed Litton calling for unity, which he did in his pre-convention address, he did a video address about why he was running for president of the SBC. It's all about unity. And he talked about evangelism and planting churches. You know what? This is the same kind of stuff we heard from J.D. Greer. It's all about the Great Commission. It's all about planting churches. You know what? You could look at planting churches in a particular way when you listen to it from them as a way to spread their woke gospel. And they say, oh, we're inerrant, we believe in the gospel, okay? But I'm watching you and I'm seeing what you're doing and you're you know, praising Islamists and you're saying that Muslims and Christians basically worship the same God. And I mean, all the things that Greer said over the course of his long tenure that was extended by a year because of COVID and you wonder what's in store next. It is a very important moment. The Lord is sovereign, and the Lord is good, and the Lord loves his church. But you know, if you're on the Southern Baptist Convention, all I can say is stay the course, keep the faith, finish the race, be faithful to Jesus Christ, stay true to the Bible, and treat the Bible as your authority. It's not just an errand. It's sufficient. You don't need critical race theory, intersectionality, or any other secular ideology to guide you. All you need is God's word and his spirit. And that's enough. Thanks for joining us on Janet Mefford today. God bless you. We'll see you next time.